everybody. Good to see we're all awake. Uh, thank you very much for your kind invitation to come and uh, share uh, God's word with you. Um, Drew has already introduced me there. My name is Jamie Gamble. Just trying to find the passage here this morning. Uh, my name is Jamie Gamble, and as already alluded to, I am part of the church family up the road in Scrabble. And um, I just got married there two years ago, so I'm about three, four stone heavier than I was two years ago. <laughs> I'm very content. Um, and uh, my wife, she has joined Scrabble, and we're both very involved. I'm very involved in the YF and the teaching there, and she is involved in the senior girls, which is the, the GB. So um, it's nice to get a break and come down here this morning. Um, but isn't it, isn't it precious that no matter where you are this morning, that you can gather around the Lord's table and it's still as precious here as it is anywhere else. It was in Italy in the summer and it was just as precious. I had no idea what they were saying, <laughs> but it was just precious to be in the presence of believers and remembering what the Lord, uh, the Lord did for us. And as... Uh, as whenever I told my wife that I was asked to speak at, uh, at, at Bally Halbert a few months ago, she says, Bally Halbert, is, uh, is that where Benson is from? <laughs> so I'll have to report back that at the breaking of bread this morning, there was no appearance of a monkey. So, but it is really a joy to be here with you. If you have a Bible, could you turn with me to Matthew chapter 11? If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. We... Uh, I've made an, well, I was going to say I have my wife made me a lovely PowerPoint with uh, some of the verses because we're going to be looking at some different uh, pieces of scripture here this morning. But if you have one, it'd be good to turn to it. This is what we're going to be focused on this morning. So um, Matthew chapter 11. What I want to be looking at this morning, uh, I've given it the title of How to Get a Real Rest. How to Get a Real Rest. And if I'm honest with you folks, um, Whenever Drew asks me to speak, he says, I'm not giving you a title or a passage or anything. That's always quite worrying. Um, it's always easier whenever you're given a passage, I find. But this is something that the Lord has been teaching me and challenging me with over the last number of weeks and months. And so it's been laid in my heart uh, just to share this with you this morning. So uh, let's open at uh, verse 25. Verse 25. There we go. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This is what I really want us to focus in on this morning. It says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's just ask the Lord's blessing on our, on our time here this morning. Father, we, uh, we come into your presence here this morning and we thank you for the opportunity to meet together, Lord, and we, we thank you for the privilege that it is to meet around your table and to remember the death 
and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is steadfast, it never changes, just like you. And Lord, this morning as I share from your word, Lord, help me to be consistent to what you've challenged me with, Lord. I pray that what you say here this morning will be remembered and what I say is forgotten, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you'll um, really bless our time here this morning and that you'll challenge and speak to each of us individually. And we ask, I ask you for your help now, Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, I have to say that I love Christmas time. Christmas time is a firm favourite in my life. Um, obviously, growing up, it has its perks with presents and all that. Right? So, but actually, as I get older, I'm, uh, I'm actually self-employed. My, my, uh, my dad, we, we run an a electrical wholesaler together. And between Christmas and New Year, nobody wants to see you or hear tell of you because of all their stock ordered in. And so it's a time to just to reset and to rest. And I'll be honest with you, I intend to do absolutely nothing, to very little, uh, between Christmas and New Year. And it's a real, it's a real time of, 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 of rest and reset for me. But the, the only problem is, is that by the time the 10th of January comes, you sort of think to yourself, what just happened? Where was this rest that I was so looking forward to? It's, it's long forgotten. It's like whenever you go away on holiday, and you see somebody, you've been away for two weeks, and you see somebody you hadn't seen since you went before holiday, and he says, well, how was your holiday? He says, oh, well, it's like a distant memory, isn't it? And it feels like I wasn't even away. So this rest that we're talking about here this morning is not this type of rest that uh, is, is, is happening over Christmas. And in Matthew 11, the chapter that we're looking at here this morning, I feel... In the words of the Lord Jesus, he, he tells us how to get a real rest. It's his words. But actually, I feel like there's another passage, which I'm going to share now. It's Romans, um, Romans 5. And I feel like there's a couple of verses in it which gives the blueprint to what the Lord Jesus is saying. So I'm just going to read this now. Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And these two passages I feel this morning actually mirror each other. They mirror each other. And the words of the Lord Jesus is in Matthew, but also in Romans, I feel like there is a blueprint set out for us as to how to achieve real, genuine, spiritual rest. And so if you look at our points, we have suffering, which mirrors the weary and heavy burdens in Matthew. Perseverance is the act of coming to the Lord Jesus, come to me. Character is taking my yoke upon you and learn from me. And hope is I will give you rest. So I just want us to go through these four points this morning and learn how we can achieve a real rest. First one we have is, is suffering and weary and heavy burdens. And in Matthew chapter 11, you know, it's very, very often in a church, uh, a church um, setting. Matthew chapter 11 and this, 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 this little chunk of, pat, uh, of, of scripture is, is more about outreach, isn't it? It's more about sharing the gospel with people. 
because that's the context in which Jesus was talking at the time. And it's talking about once we realize that before a holy God, that we have sin riddled in our lives. And before a holy God, that we come so far, so far short of his standard, that we are destined for eternal separation and punishment from him. But what a relief that this talks about is that at that, that moment when we come before the Lord Jesus and we get him to say, we say to him, Lord, I'm sorry. We ask forgiveness for our sins. And that moment of salvation, when that burden of sin is lifted, hallelujah, that burden of sin on our lives, where we no longer face eternal separation and punishment for the way that we, that we act, but actually we, we, we are in a relationship with the creator God, not just for now and here in this little chunk of time, but actually he has saved our souls for all eternity. That's a relief. <laughs> that's, that's rest. And so then, surely then once, if once we have that, that weight of sin lifted off from our lives, then you know, it's, life just becomes easy. You know, there's no more troubles ahead. It's plain sailing. We'll float through life singing, when we all get to heaven. There's no more heartaches. There's no more pain because the sin is gone. You know, some areas of churches, especially in America, will preach, well, you come to Jesus, you get health, wealth, and prosperity. Come to Jesus, you get rich, give us your money. What nonsense. What utter nonsense. What contrary to the word of God. It couldn't be any further than the truth because Jesus promises us. He says, in this world you will have trouble. You will have trouble. And the problem is, is that maybe a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, six months after we get saved and actually the worries of life start to build up. Don't they? Problems arise. Maybe you're new to faith and your family isn't saved. Maybe a loved one's ill, facing unemployment. The list goes on. You know what you are. You know what you have, and I know what I have. And unfortunately, I find myself, and this is why it's challenging to me, I find myself, I'm not necessarily a deep thinker, as I'm sure you've probably worked out by now. I'm not necessarily a deep thinker, and I just try and continue on through life. Just Head first, see what happens. And what happens actually is, is that if these burdens of life, they just pile up. They pile up on me because I think sometimes that I'm in control. I've got this plan for this week and that's how this week is going to go. And very rarely does it ever work out like that. And, you know, sometimes if you're, you're having a conversation with somebody at church, says, well, how are you doing? Ah. The very best, great week. Whereas inside you could be in the midst of great, great despair. That's how not to handle suffering. And this is this is what happened to me. And and and, and I'm I'm an extrovert. I I get my energy from spending time with people. And uh, last weekend uh, we had our YF weekend. We we're way down in Mullerton, and. Uh, I think it was 2 o'clock on Friday night and half 3 on Saturday morning that we got to sleep. But I loved it. 
I love spending time with all the teenagers, love it. And uh, actually, you know, by the end of it, you know, there's some leaders who are quite introverted and they couldn't wait to get home and get their jammies on and curl up on a ball on the sofa and just recharge. Whereas about seven o'clock on Saturday or Sunday evening, I just took a nosedive. I was completely devastated not to be around people anymore. I was finding it very difficult despite how tired I was. And if I think back to 2020, I wasn't married. I was still living at home and our family offices, our businesses at the house. So I was working from home before working from home was really a thing. And uh, trendsetter. But the, uh, our offices and our, and our stores are all at our house. And so my coping mechanism with that was actually every evening I would get out of the house, get away from Frank and Joyce, that's my parents, get away out of their sight, whether that be playing sport or a church or just, uh, just being, having fellowship with people. And so whenever, and I think that I'm in control, that's my way of getting through life. And so whenever a government lockdown institutes that you have to stay in your house, and the only people you can talk to is Frank and Joyce, <laughs> life becomes pretty difficult pretty fast. At that time, I was in a relationship with a girl, a long-term relationship with a girl, and that went, I thought, oh, this is the one, this is great, heading towards marriage. That ended too. My life went into freefall. My mental health went completely through the floor. And for me, thinking that, you know, I'm saved, I'm good, I've got it, I've got the eternal thing, but I'm just going to crack on and do my own thing. I'm going to marry this girl. I'm going to grow my business. I'm going to do whatever. God had other plans. And actually, it got to a stage where I had a complete one day I just had a complete breakdown. Found myself in floods and floods of tears that I had put all this burden on my back and it just completely broke me. That is not how to deal with our heavy burdens and how to deal with suffering. Our first point is suffering, but you know, what, what, what do we do? How do we actually, what, what is it, how do we get rid of our burdens or how do we cope with our burdens? The next point is perseverance. And like I said, I, I love Christmas. I love Christmas and I really can't stress enough how little I want to do. But, <laughs> honestly. And, uh, you know, I intend to eat really quite a lot. I've, my, my wife's been stocking up on hero celebrations. It's just going to be a great time. And, uh, you know, before we know it, it'll be New Year's Eve. And you'll be at a New Year's Eve party and you'll be, you'll be, you'll be chatting away to people or you'll meet people and you're out and they'll say, well, did you have a nice Christmas? You say, ah, yes, but flip, I let myself go. You know, I'll find myself just lying all day on the sofa and just before I knew it, there was three boxes of heroes on me and I didn't know what to do. And then you say, well, any New Year's resolutions? You say, well, like I said, I let myself go. So I'm going to go to the gym 5,000 times a week and I'm going to eat chicken and broccoli and that's all going to be great. And we fast forward about three weeks into uh, January and you're getting on really well. The gym is being hit every single day and the broccoli is great. And you sit down on a cold, wet Wednesday evening 
and out of the corner of your eye, you spot an unopened selection box left over. And before you've even thought about putting the kettle on for the cup of tea, half of the selection box is gone, and all your hard work for the three weeks is completely done, and you've given up. You say, oh, well, there's no point in doing it now. I might as well finish the box and just give up. And you meet people and say, well, how's the weight loss going? Oh, it's finished, it's finished. I'm back, I'm back off the rails again, you know. Uh, I, I had a whole pack of McVitie's in me before I even realised it. And people say, oh, you, you were doing so well. Why'd you give up? And we associate giving up with actually not a good thing. But what I would suggest here this morning is, is that the act of perseverance in our faith is actually the act of giving up. <coughs> to give up. A better word to surrender. Perseverance doesn't mean that you just keep going on on your own strength. To persevere, I say, is to come day and daily to the Lord and say, Lord, I am not in control here. To persevere is to come before him day and daily and to say, you have to take this from me because I can't do this on my own. I'm not strong enough. Because the Lord says, come to me. There's a translation in the Bible. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you weary? Come to me. Come to me. And I suggest that in that act of giving up, is that a daily giving up, that we actually persevere to do that. Instead of persevering on our own strength, where it's only going to keep weighing us down and down and down and down until you get to the pit and there's nowhere else to do. Because the Lord Jesus' arms is open wide. He's not saying, come to me once a week. Come to me once a year. He says, come to me. Just come. You see, the fantastic thing about the Lord Jesus is he doesn't just save us and then just say, Jamie, go do it on your own. I'll see you in heaven one day. Go, you know, you do you. He says, come to me daily, hourly, whatever it takes, whatever you're feeling, that burden of that family member who's not saved, give it to me. People in our family or our community who are ill, give it to me. That job that is driving you insane, give it to me. Give it to me. But just because we actually daily come to him and we persevere and we really say, this, I'm going to give it to you, does that mean that, again, everything's just going to be good? Everything's just going to work out? That actually, once we give it to God, he's just going to whoop, he's going to take it away and everything's going to be plain sailing the rest of the way? Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. You know, I've been thinking, like I said, this has been challenging me for quite a while. And I was speaking to a friend of mine who a number of years back, married, their marriage completely fell apart. There was separation and it was a very, very, very difficult time. And I asked him, I says, what, what difference, what difference does it make to you? What, what difference did it make at the time having the Lord with you. Did it make a difference? And they said, we were chatting about a lot of things, but two main things stuck out to me. 
I'm going to tell you one now and I'm going to save one for later on. But they said that even though at the most difficult, the most difficult time in the separation was whenever they didn't know what was going to happen. There's complete unknown. And that was really difficult to take. But what they said was, is that even though I didn't know, I gave it to somebody who did. Because the Lord knows the end from the beginning. And even though I had, it's, they said, even though I had no idea how it was going to turn out, whether the marriage would be saved, whether we would end up not together together, I don't know what was going to happen. He was faithful. And that he, I knew that even though if it didn't work out for me, that I had to trust him that he knew what was going to happen and that he would use it for his glory. That really challenged me. The act of being unknown, but yet giving it to somebody in the Lord who knows everything. And folks, if he's worth, if he's worth trusting our soul with for eternity, he's worth trusting our today, isn't he? Because today's problems are today's problems. Give them to the Lord. Because he's right there. He knows how it's going to work out. We don't. And the challenge is, is to persevere, to come to him day and daily and say, Lord, I can't do this. Take control. It's not up to me. I have my own ideas. But Lord, you take control of my life. He is faithful every day when, when we are so far from faithful. The third point I want us to look at is, is character. And like I said, Romans 5, I think, lays out a process for us. So when we, when we bring our suffering to the Lord, we have to persevere to bring our suffering before the Lord. And if we bring that day and daily, then that produces character. Character. And, do you know, in our wee corner of the universe, we read about a yoke in this Bible, but a yoke in our neck of the woods means something quite altogether different. You know, I was in the car uh, with my friend Daniel the other day, and we were pulling up at the traffic lights, and we pulled up to this battered 1992 Ford Fiesta. He looked out the window and he says, Flip, that's some yoke. Really, is it? Like, I don't know, you know, whatever. But that's not the yoke that we're looking at here this morning. Because the Lord says, Take my yoke upon you and learn and learn from me. And I'm sure many of us actually know what the yoke is that we're talking about here this morning, but I'm going to explain it quickly because it's important. And the yoke was this heavy wooden apparatus that was placed upon. These uh, cows which were used to, these bulls which were used to work the fields in the days of the Lord. And they would, the, the, these bulls would pull this plow along or whatever instruments that they were using. There was no masses or new horns or anything like that there. It was all, uh, it was all, the, it was all animals that were used. And what would happen is, is that this heavy wooden structure would be placed on the two bulls to pull along the plow or pull along the, whatever it was pulling along in the field to work the field. And what normally happened was is that you would have a strong, experienced bull. 
very, very strong and an older sort of bull who knew where it was going, it was experienced, knew the path, knew what was required, what the farmer required of it, and set the pace and the direction of where it was going. But also with that, you would have paired a younger bull, an erratic one, one that wasn't just as strong, but a bull that had a bit of headstrong. And so what was used, this yoke thing was used to, to pair them together. And as the yoke was placed on the stronger bull, you know, it was it'd be wrestling and trying to get it off. And, but then the older bull would start and take off and he would take the younger bull with him. And the younger bull would struggle and he would try and go his own way and try and get out of it and try and slow it down or speed it up. But the stronger bull kept the pace and was stronger and it bore the load of this yoke. And so the younger bull was just taken along with it, whether it liked it or not. But after a time, the younger bull realized that it was a, it was a battle he wasn't going to win. And so he would submit to the older bull and he would go with the, the, bulls, the, older, bulls, the older bull's timing. And it would follow in the footsteps of the older bull. And it learned from the older bull. And folks, in, that, in this example, we are the younger bull. Sometimes we like to do things our own way, like I've said. Sometimes we like to think that we know best and we want to go over here. But actually, by daily coming before the Lord, we need to submit to his yoke, submit to his path. And actually, what happens when we continually do that, when we persevere to come before him and learn from him, is that actually he makes us like him. He sanctifies us. And that's hard for us because there's a, there's a bit of a, there's a battle, there's a daily battle going on inside of us, isn't there? There's what I want to do. There's the desires of the flesh, how I want to live, where I want to do, how I want to go. And then there's the desires of the Lord, the desires of the Spirit. I just want to look at uh, Galatians here. I'm just going to read this. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. If we yoke ourselves to the Lord day and daily, which one of those lists is going to describe our life? Whenever we encounter people, whenever we are in our day-to-day -day life and we're in work, whenever we're doing whatever, playing sport, which one of those lists best describes our actions, our character? And if we continually drive ourselves to, to be beside the Lord and let him, let him shape us and change us, surely it has to be the latter. But if we go on our own way and we try and go life on our own direction, it's got to be the first one, filled with hatred. And, you'd be, and I'm sure we all know 
how quickly, if we take a day away, a day very, much become, very quickly becomes a week, and a week very quickly becomes a month, and a month very quickly becomes a year. And our character starts to get a wee bit blurred, doesn't it? Folks, we will let him down, unfortunately. We're never going to be perfect. But it's a constant battle of to persevere to come back to him day and daily and bring ourselves before him and say, Lord, take it from me. Take it from me. Change me. Make me like you. And he will stay faithful to the end. Whenever you read that, the second verse, the fruits of the Spirit, that describes the Lord, doesn't it? That describes his character. What a compliment that somebody could give you to say, do you know what? Your character, it's, it's like the Lord. You're never going to be, obviously, the Lord, anywhere near it because you can't be perfect. But imagine if all those things described our character when we spent day and daily with him. That's the character. Now, our last point is hope. Hope. You know, unfortunately for my flaws, I am a Manchester United fan. Yes, today's going to be a difficult day for those of you who follow football, maybe you don't, but we're playing Liverpool today and it's going to be a desperate one. But uh, for the last 10 years, it's been, it's, been, it's been hard. It's been hard. I have been letting a group of men decide my mood on a Saturday evening based on how they performed that day, and it's not a really great way to be, but it is what it is. But at the end of the season, whenever they've let me down for six, seven months of the year, whatever, the new season approaches and there's the transfer window and all these new players can be brought in. I call that hope season. That's uh, June and July. You know, these new players come in and think, well, you never know if somebody comes in and they do this and you know, they might make a title challenge. And by the end of August, hope season is already over because they've just let me down again. This summer has been 10 years in a row where hope season has failed me. That is a flittering hope. A flittering hope. We'll never get anywhere near it. And, do you know, the hope that we have in this passage, in, the, in our passage we're looking at this morning, is the Lord Jesus saying, I will give you rest. That's our hope. But I think a better word for rest, actually, is peace. You know, you say, I'm going to bed here for an hour to get my head, give my head peace. Peace, I think, is a better word than rest. And do you know what? For thousands of years, people, men, women, have tried to find peace in so many different things, so many different places, so many different substances, so many different ways. But folks, this morning, you and I know there is only one source of peace. It's a prince of peace. It's the Lord Jesus. And peace is our hope. Like I said, I was chatting to my friend earlier on and they, 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 their marriage had fallen apart. And they, there were two things that stuck out to me. The second thing was, they said, this is going to sound, this is what they said to me, they said, this is going to sound a wee bit strange. But they said that despite not knowing what was going to happen, like I'd said before, despite 
leaving it to the Lord and not knowing how it was going to end up. I can't really explain this, but I just had this real sense of peace that I, I didn't know where I came from. I don't know what to do. I, just, I knew that actually if the marriage failed and it was ended and it was over, that I had a sense of peace about that. And I can't really explain it. And I, I, f- I felt like saying to her, I felt like saying, you know, I'm trying to do a talk on this in two weeks and you're not doing about something a bit better than that. Like, you know, <laughs> I need something to work with here. But actually, when I thought about it, and I was reading, I was praying, I realized it's not meant to make sense. It's not meant to make sense. Philippians 4 reads, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace isn't meant to make sense. It's beyond our capability. It's beyond, it actually is beyond our understanding. That hit me like a brick wall. Because I like to think that I can understand everything. But you can't. Because it's the peace that only the Lord gives. And whenever, whenever we Whenever we take our burdens to the Lord, when we suffer and we persevere to bring them to him and he makes us more like him by persevering, he he sanctifies us, that actually our hope in that and the peace that we have in that, the rest that we can have in that is that he is right beside us. Right beside us. What a comfort. How do we find a real rest. It says, come to me. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you weary? Are you heavy burdens with a life? But life is so at you. Come to me. And I'll give you rest. I will give you peace. Peace that doesn't make any sense. But it comes from the Lord who is beside us every single step of the way. So this Christmas, when you're off work or whatever you're doing, remember to come before him day and daily because the peace that transcends all understanding comes from him and nothing else. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you've saved us. Thank you for the joy of salvation, Lord. Thank you that we have an eternity with you. But Lord, thank you that here in the now, and stuff that doesn't matter, that we think maybe doesn't matter to other people, Lord, but it matters to you. Lord, thank you that you care about our daily lives. Lord, help us to persevere, to not give up in coming to you with things that we don't maybe think are important. Lord, help us as your people to lay our burdens at your feet. Lord, thank you that you're making us like you. And thank you that you're here with us every single step of the way. Thank you that you will never forsake us. 
Thank you that you're faithful when we remain unfaithful. Lord, I pray you'll bless the word this morning and bless this church that it meets here in Bally Halbert. Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.